This is the Rappaport Diamond Podcast, and now your host, Avi Kravitz. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Rappaport Diamond Podcast. My name is Avi Kravitz. I'm the Senior Analyst at Rappaport. And joining me today in our virtual studio this time is a good friend of Rappaport and someone I've known for a number of years and who's helped me navigate my understanding of the important topic of financing the diamond market. It's a topic that we've explored in depth in the June Rappaport magazine and one that's been fairly contentious over the years. So let me welcome Eric Jens to the podcast. Hi, Eric. Welcome. Hi, Avi. Well, beautiful introduction here and, and happy to be with you. It's always great speaking with you and, uh, and exchange thoughts and, and, and ideas about what's happening in the, in the diamond industry. And uh, I'm very happy to be with you. Thank you. And, um, and it's great to see you and, and thank you for, for joining us. Um, just by, by way of introduction, for those who don't know Eric, um, Eric's a, a seasoned banker and financier. Um, he served in numerous uh, senior management roles at financial institutions and was most recently or more recently, or, or we know him from the trade, um, as the head of the um, Gems and Jewelry Lending U Unit at ABN AMRO. Um, he's now exploring the world of blockchain and cryptocurrencies for re-engineering banking and finance models with a focus on fintech and luxury industry, and um, that includes jewelry and art. Um, in particular, so it's a it's a bit of a it's a bit of a mouthful and uh, and an impressive resume, which I, I left out most of it. I think the majority of your of your past, but Eric, um, I remember when you started in the industry, um, or, or when I first met you was at the Vicenza show, I think, um, way back when, and that was around 2012. I think you came into the industry with uh, with ABN Amro, right? It was, I think, already a little bit earlier. I think it was in 2011. I was rounding up a job in Switzerland for Abin Amro. And then uh, my boss, the board, said at that time, well, Eric, uh, we have a very interesting business. It's called the Diamond and Jewelry business. And we don't really understand the business. We don't really know what's going on. So uh, you've been done do, doing for Abin Amro some, some interesting and challenging jobs. Can you have a look at it and, and try to explain us what, what is going on there? So actually, that is uh, ten years ago now, sort of. So uh, wow, yeah, okay. that, that was so it's a, a bit of an anniversary. No, absolutely, and and a great and a great period. I look back with with a lot of pleasure, and and I learned a lot in 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 those ten years. And and yeah, I'm still I'm still growing on what I learned in that in that period, and and also the yeah the amazing people I met and and great companies, and and mm. it's, it's such a fascinating world. And I always said, okay, I want to. I want to keep the, 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 the mystique of the diamond industry because it's so special and the product is so, so unique. But I want to take a little bit away the, well, the mystery, to put it like that. So right. well, I think that was the, the job. Maybe before we get into that, um, maybe we can, you can give us some insights as to what, what were your first impressions of the market um, when you came in um, as an outsider coming into the to this uh, sort of new mysterious world of diamond and and, and, and diamond jewelry, well, what I saw uh, the first thing I, I noticed was enormous amount of passion, passion from people in the industry, passion about the product, passion about what they were doing, um, and also passion about that that most of the companies I was working with. Uh, where where family owned businesses, so it's a very much sort of a family owned business oriented industry, which was which was quite new for me. And of course, in the old days and, and other jobs, I, I was 
used to work with family-owned businesses, but this was very, very specific. And um, the other thing I noticed that it was a very diverse industry. So it was scattered around uh, in a way. Yes, of course, India and, and Dubai was coming up and Antwerp and, and, and the US and Israel. But but then, of course, Russia was coming up with Arosa. But it was very scattered and thousands and thousands of companies uh, all over the place on the one hand. And, and of course, the handful of, of, of the super big companies we all know. Mm. So, I mean, it, it lacked a, a certain structure, but, but I think particularly, I think it was an interesting time to come into the, into the, the industry. It was, was shortly after the, the financial um, downturn and um, the, the, the market was, had a quick recovery after, the, after 2008 and 2009 through 2011. And then it started, to, it seemed on this sort, sort of perpetual downturn and the banks seem to play a role in that, um, particularly when we speak to you know manufacturers and um, you know the lack of profit margins, the um, the continued downtrend in polished prices. So, you know, in terms of the structure of the industry and the relationship between the the, the sector and the banking sector. Um, which was fairly t- tense at times over the last um, decade. What were your impressions in terms of that? What, what did you? See? Where were the holes from a from a banking um, perspective? Yeah, I think I think it took me at least six months to try to understand what was going on. Honestly, um, yeah. because because I didn't understand. I I, yeah, I looked at, at the value of the business and what was outstanding in in, in credits, and I think it was about fifteen sixteen billion dollars at that time. I looked at underlying. Um, basically, I looked also at Chaim Evans OR's pipeline. Remember that 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 kind of balance sheet pipeline, and I couldn't make sense out of it. There was way too much money in there. If you compare what what was outstanding from the banks, if you see what 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 all the side holders were buying from the beers and the Arosas and and the other company, so it didn't make sense. It was a huge hole, and and um, and and I tried to find out what it was. Uh, that was the one thing. The other thing is, of course, there was a perfect storm. You, you only ad- already addressed it. It was the, the aftermath of, of, of the, the financial crisis, um, the, the new balance sheet requirements for the banks, uh, Basel two, three, all came up, uh, and, and that had a significant impact for the banks to, to uh, enhance their buffers and, and improve their, their uh, capital ratios, etc. So there was a huge pressure from the, on the banks from, from the regulators. Then there was, of course, the, the, the BSs and the Arosas of this world where you could say, okay, how accommodative are they in terms of, of adjusting their prices, their rough prices to the market under these circumstances, while the demand for polished was, was, was coming down and there was a huge surplus in inventory in, 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 in stock. Uh, so that was the kind of the perfect storm we saw. And, and in the meantime, the margins in the mid-sector uh, were squeezed and squeezed and squeezed and you, because of that, you saw some practices which, which I thought were not very transparent. Eh? I mean, receivables were not covered, goods were returned, uh, there, was, there was round tripping. We all know these stories. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I think that took a couple of years to, to shake that out. Um, but at the expense, honestly, of, of, of huge losses for banks on the one hand, um, some losses in the industry, but a couple of huge bankruptcies, and and we all know them. And I don't want to, sure. yeah, bring bring that up again. But but we had a we had a couple of very very nasty things, and 
And that, and that took years for the industry to recover from that in terms of reputation and, 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 um, yeah, exception from, from acceptation from financial institutions to, to come back to the industry. So once you gained that understanding, um, and came to those conclusions, what, um, how, how did that influence your, your approach to the, to the industry thereafter? Uh, from, from what I remember, you, you had to make some difficult decisions, I think, particularly when you yeah. relate to those sort of family-owned businesses that um, yeah. and ABN AMRO was at the time one of the bigger lenders to the industry. Yeah, the biggest, was the biggest at, at, at the time. And first what I did was, was hire a great team. Uh, I, I reorganized a little bit my management team at the time. Uh, I got some outsiders uh, in, uh, people who were not in the industry for, for years and for years. So really to have a fresh view on, on what was happening. Um, that was one thing. The second thing is to say, okay, we want to know what we finance because it's not really asset-backed finance because, because you finance receivables. Uh, it's, 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 it's a kind of factoring, so you finance a piece of paper. So you want to know what is the value, what is, what is the value represented by that piece of paper. So we set up through automation um, uh, and, and digitalization, we set up a whole borrowing-based administration so we know exactly what was out there. We also could see, okay, uh, whether certain uh, invoices uh, aging, uh, where they already returned, yes, no. And we asked the clients as well to confirm uh, what was outstanding. But we also asked the clients of our clients to confirm what was outstanding. So mm. uh, what the receivables we were financing really uh, outstanding. So really the checks and balances, that was one thing we did. The other thing is, is that we said, okay, if you want to be in this business, you have to put skin in the game yourself. Right. So instead of having 100% advance rates on your, on your receivables, we do 70%. You do your own 30%. And of course, you can fill that up every time with new invoices, etc. But But it was also a kind of psychological point of view. The third thing we did was, was that we start to really um, uh, exchange ideas with our clients by saying, hey, what is your strategy? What are you doing in terms of sustainability? Um, what do you think about the RJC? Um, what, what is, yeah, how do you put your team together? Where are you in five years from now? We really wanted to understand what those companies were doing from a strategic point of view to make sure, okay, uh, maybe uh, we, we looked very much at, at, at performance and potential. And sometimes we saw companies performing very well, but if we looked at the longer-term strategy and what they were doing, we were very concerned about uh, their, their potential. Mm-hmm. So we would, we would start bringing back our exposures to, such, uh, to those companies because it was maybe only short-term kind of approach in, 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 in getting profits in, and we didn't see the longer-term uh, potential. Other companies which had a great potential but not performing very well, we start helping them out by growing their business, by providing more lending, more leverage, but also uh, not only give a check, but also help on, on running their company. And that, yeah, that, that was a kind of a trade-off, always the performance versus potential and potential versus performance. Mm. And to really understand that. The other thing is we did, we really start to talk with other banks. We said, okay, we don't want to be the land of last resort as ABN AMRO, uh, so can we have other banks coming in? And we did it particularly in Dubai with, with the National Bank of Frigera. We did it with Emirates NBD. Um, of course, we, we, we saw Indus Ind uh, in India with Biju Patnaik. We saw the business growing uh, from Indus Ind. So that created a more healthy, healthy uh, balance uh, overall for the industry. 
And at the same time, we said also, listen, the industry doesn't need more money. It needs more banks. And that is what we try to do. Uh, well, w wouldn't that bring more money into the industry? As you, uh, Not necessarily, because we saw Standard Chartered uh, slowing down and, and, and reducing the portfolio, Aben Amro coming down. Uh, we saw a lot of Israeli banks coming, uh, getting mm. out of the industry for all different reasons. I mean, let's not forget ADB uh, and the Diamond Bank also left, yeah. left the industry for all kinds of different reasons, nothing really underlying uh, uh, with the industry, but, but that was also the aftermath of the crisis. So, so yeah, we, we thought at a certain moment, if this industry is, has about 9 to 10 billion outstanding, it's a more healthy, uh, healthy balance sheet overall. Okay. Um, going back to the idea that you started to work with your clients on strategy and looking long-term, was that, um, was that a, uh, did you get any resistance from your from clients on that they uh, and, and i would imagine that would have been a new experience for for your typical diamond um smaller diamond company at least yeah that's true but but first of course we had to educate our own people uh because because they were never used to uh, they were not used to work like that to ask those kind of questions to their clients and and uh, it, it's really education, educating our own people when we talk about sustainability, when we talk about best practices. Of course, everybody knows hey, the best practices of the beers, and, and uh, but at that time, the RJC only had a had a few hundred members. Eben hey? Amro was 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 one of the founding members of RJC, and, and look where they are now. There are over thousands of uh, members at RJC, mm -hmm. so it was very much of a learning process. And what we did was very much focusing on the next generation in those companies. We started to, to interact with, with the young kids and the, the girls and, 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 and the boys coming into the business. And um, most of them coming from, from back from universities, Columbia, Harvard, uh, studying in London, uh, very bright and smart kids. So we really start to focusing uh, with respect to the older generation, but start focusing on this new generation of which we knew they were coming into the business anyway. Uh, and and we see a couple of very good examples of companies. I won't mention them here. Had they started already uh, ten years ago with with SAP systems and 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 enterprise ERP systems. So so very modern companies became became very modern companies, really corporates rather than a a mom and pop mm. uh, kind of kind of shop. It's interesting what you say about the working with the the, the next generation because I think there was always this. Um, perception and uh, and I think a valid perception um, that next generation wasn't coming into the industry um, it wasn't as sexy as it, as it used to be um, they were they, they, they saw more potential you know on Wall Street or or wherever it was um, but I think today now you see more you see the you, you you do see that younger generation coming in and sort of taking over the leadership of the of, of those companies yeah. and hopefully also the the industry at uh, you know the larger industry. No, I agree, and 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 I think of course not everybody went into uh, in, into mama or dad's business, but uh, what happens indeed you saw some of them, girls and the boys going indeed into Wall Street or going into technology companies, et cetera, but came back later mm. uh, with that knowledge they build up outside of the diamond industry to grow to grow their own business. So, um, yeah, and, and you see, for instance, now a lot of, of, of smart people in the industry knowing everything about blockchain, knowing yeah. everything about what's, what's going on and cryptocurrency. So it has become uh, 
yeah, more, more part of the, the mainstream for the industry as well. Although I hope that doesn't create another huge blow in speculation, yeah, because remember, in, 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 uh, at the, before the financial crisis, uh, that, that, that there was a lot of speculation in currencies that created yeah. huge losses in, in the diamond industry. Nothing to do with underlying diamond business, but yeah, people like to speculate in currency. Mm. I, think, I think what's encouraging is that at the moment and coming out of the COVID crisis, you have that balance um, of the younger generation bringing in the, 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 the technology and know-how, et cetera, but you've also got that older generation who's been through this, um, these crises and um, sort of tempering uh, sentiments a little bit that, you know, not to get overexcited, not to speculate on rough, not to, you know, n- not to push the market um, or, or think that it's, it's a never-ending um, uptrend that we're, that we're yeah. embroiled in, 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 in. Absolutely, and 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 I like that. It's 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 yeah. It's it's basically the experience and the gray hair uh, from 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 the the, the the little bit older generation who's gone through all these cycles, and 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 the smartness and and the brightness and and the new technology being brought in by by the new generation. And and honestly, that is one of the reasons uh, why I set up my little adventure called Luxury FinTech, advising both the jewelry business and 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 the art business. When it's all about uh, yeah financial technology and 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 working with those companies to to help them out to strategize and, and prioritize and, uh, those those processes because it is absolutely fascinating. Um, I, I'd like to get back to the the fintech angle, but um, before we do that, I um, mm. you mentioned um, that w- one of the things that you did, and I think um, from my memory, it was. You know the most notable change that that was um, that, that was introduced by ABN Amro at the time is that um, is that you insist your clients bring put a bit of skin in their game. In other words, that they self rough a uh, self finance um, a portion of their rough um, of their rough uh, purchases. And it seems now, as um, you know, we've spoken about in private how the um, the industry has come. Uh, come through the coronavirus uh, crisis in a in a stronger position or a healthier position. There seems to be better liquidity, but that um, teething process of um, you know a company self financing uh, rough and uh, among other other aspects such as I think also strategizing for the future has um, has played into that. So. So how, how do you um, how do you assess the the current state of of, um, of financing in the diamond industry? Well, I think that that's a good question. And, and getting back to your point on, on on skin in the game, what it what it led to was the fact that everybody started really to focus on bottom line rather than just top line. Because when I came in the industry ten years ago, it was always about revenues, revenues, revenues. But most important thing, yeah, you can have a lot of revenues and you can have a huge balance sheet with a lot of financing. But all that matters is what do you make out of it? What is your bottom line? Sure. Are, you make, are, are you profitable enough? What are your ratios? So, so the skin in the game helped a lot of, of, of companies. Uh, putting that on skin in the game helped a lot of companies to, to really think about it. And I remember speaking with one of the largest diamond pairs in, 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 in the world. He said, well, actually, I have my balance sheet, but my profitability is way higher. And he said, and I never thought about it like that. So that, that is a huge, huge change. And of course... 
maybe not always good for the, the larger producers because because yes they could sell less but but it create way more healthy uh, balance sheet uh, situations for uh, for the for the which which i think is important and then looking back of uh, now 10 years down the road where where we now uh, and i think you 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 mentioned that very nicely in that article in, in the report in june uh, and not only mentioned by me, but also by, by the fellow uh, experts, was, was that the industry is, from a finance perspective, in a, in a pretty healthy position. Uh, and I think the painful process of the rationalization and, and all the changes paid off. Mm. Uh, and actually, I think, I think we saw that also, I think, before the overall crisis, for instance, in Israel. I mean, the financial sector in Israel was already, uh, for the diamond industry, very much challenged uh, before the overall uh, sector got got challenged in finance, and and I think that created also in Israel a way healthier situation in terms of finance and and profitability. Yeah. And so so I think I think right now uh, we see a way better balance. Uh, we see more healthy balance sheets, a better balance in terms of of profits versus revenues, um, more cost conscious, um, looking at at at. Uh, uh, revenues, but also looking at, at yields, uh, yield enhancements, uh, technology to improve the yield, a uh, lot of focus on, on issues related to uh, what does the client really want, what does the end consumer really want. Uh, I don't want to use the word transparency because I think that is used too much, but about provenance, about authenticity, those kind of things are, are, are mainstream now in the companies. And 10 years ago, mm. no way. No way. It's, it's, it's a huge shift. So it's not only the changes uh, from a finance perspective in the industry, but I think it's, it's an overall 360-degree overhaul uh, of, of, of what is happening in those companies. Mm. I mean, De Beers always, um, I, I think around the same time um, that you came into the industry, they were trying to get, um, or, or there was a program to, uh, to have the, have site holders adopt a more corporate sort of structure, and they spoke about improving bankability. Yeah. Um. And and as an equation of uh, of profitability plus reputation. Yeah. And so so from from what you're saying, it sounds that um that the industry has um has improved its standing on both sides. Um. As a generalization, that there is a there is better profit in in um. In manufacturing, just from an operational point of view, um, you know, putting the price of rough versus prov- versus polished aside, from an operations point of view, there is a focus on profitability rather than revenue, as you said. Um, and then also that um, there's, I think there's a greater awareness of uh, reputation, and that feeds into those sustainability um, issues, transparency, etc. Um, are, are you still seeing? I mean, there's always more to do, but um, is there is the industry still lagging other industries, or are we um, are we actually setting a bar? Uh, setting a, a, a bar. Yeah, I think I think so, honestly. Um, and and I think the the industry has cutched up quite quite nice. And I think I think vis a vis other industries. Let's let's look at at the art sector. Huh? That's the other area I'm, I'm focused on. Uh, but let's look at the commodity sector in general. And of course, diamonds, if you talk about diamonds or, or, or gemstones, these are not commodities, but a certain level of commoditization is absolutely important uh, when we talk about finance, when we talk about uh, consumer acceptance, etc. So, um, yeah, I think, I think we're getting at par with, with, with other 
comparable industries, which which I think is 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 extremely good given where where we started ten years ago. Can it can it improve further? Yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. And which which direction will it be? I believe that it's going to be technology, yeah, because I also think that from a consumer perspective, especially the younger consumer, would they buy diamonds? I don't know. I don't know. They they buy maybe electronics. Yeah, we talked about it earlier. Or, or, or colored gemstones or, or uh, new other metals or, or whatever. But if you make diamonds sexy from a point of view that it is a, a tech-savvy kind of product, uh, that, that if people uh, buy a diamond uh, for themselves or for their partners, or uh, that you can say, hey, by the way, I have an NFT here, uh, a non-fungible token, which is actually uh, the, the whole provenance of that, that diamond mm. found in Debswana or Botswana or, or in, in the Menang mine or the Debswana, and, and that people can really show that that's the journey the diamond went through. Right. Isn't that the most, I mean, and, and technically it's possible. Technically it's possible. So you create a total different experience, a total different storytelling for the diamond industry, for the consumer. And I, I hope that that's the next 10 years that that's going to be uh, the, 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 well, the new story. Uh, diamonds are forever. The diamonds are best friends, we know, and it is all true. But I, I hope, uh, and that is a little bit of my dream, uh, that in 10 years from now, uh, people have that, the track of their diamond in an NFT, and which is, which is a, a unique, unique piece. You're the only one who can, who can own that. Mm. Uh, and even if you want to, you can even sell it at a certain moment. So anyway, there's still a lot of hurdles to be taken and, and the technology challenges are there, but it is possible. Well, I think we've we've seen a, a, a dramatic rise in interest, with, at least within the trade, to develop such um, such programs. You know, through various blockchain providers are um, are working towards it, and I think also um, coming from the retail side, that um, that retailers and and brands are. Um, are building these um, sustainability messages into their into their stories. Yeah, but you have to sh- you have to be able to show it, huh? and and, right. and you can tell the story, but you also have to prove it. And and I think that, and and honestly, I'm, I'm uh, I think it was five years ago in New York, we put up a small conference together with IBM and with with uh, it was KP was there and Signet was there and the World Diamond Council, not the World Diamond Council, the the, uh, the national National Diamond Council was there and Everledger and, and we started to brainstorm what, what would this do and what, what can blockchain do for the industry. And 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 Richline was there with with, with Mark Hanna. It basically it, it led to all kinds of initiatives. Uh, we've seen Tracer with the beers, we've seen Trust Chain with, with Richline. Uh, you see in 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 the gemstone and the college gemstone business, you see Gubelin, of course, with provenance proof. There's a lot happening. Louis Vuitton started with Aura. Uh, what I said, Tracer with the beard. So, so it's it's it is all out there, and I think there are different platforms still, uh, but but it's there to stay. I think the I think the concern within the with within both the midstream and the and, and the retail market is um, that a lot of your smaller independent um, family-owned businesses. Are, are going to be are being left behind that this fits into a, a big brand like uh, you know uh, an LVMH or, or a Tiffany it mm-hmm. fits into their program nicely because they have the budget and they have the 
and they have the structure to incorporate it. But what does a your your mom and pop do mm-hmm. um to to tap into that? I w- I would be curious to hear if that was part of that conversation. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And how do we make these um programs accessible to your smaller yeah. jeweler and your small smaller diamonds here? And that's the good thing about technology. And by the way, I mean you and I both love the mom and pop shops because I respect I respect every entrepreneur and, and even if it's if it's one or two people working in, 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 in a small shop in India or wherever, I mean I, I really respect that entrepreneurship. So I even think that technology might even help those smaller companies because um if if these are platforms which are interoperable. So if, if, if the trust train platform works with a tracer platform, with the IBM platform, with Everledger, et cetera, I mean, then the cost of carrying those platforms will come down a lot. Mm. So it's just like getting like your iPhone. Eh? I mean, like, like, uh, like you, like your Google now, or, or you go your WhatsApp or whatsoever. I think it's possible for those smaller companies to access those platforms on, on, on the brink of an app. Right. And I think that is where the future lies. Uh, is it all there, the technology? Maybe not. Uh, but, you know, Moore's Law, and every two years it, it doubles or, 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 or improves in terms of efficiency. So, so I think, I think it, it will actually help those smaller companies to use and, and the cost to be carried by the, by the, 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 the bigger firms. And, and let's, let's, not, let's not forget it. I mean, I mean it, is, it is important that this happens because... It's not only uh, from, from an authenticity or provenance point of view, but it's also from what I said, had the story around diamonds, it becomes a more sexier product. Mm. Uh, well, well two, two things are, are on that. The first is that um, I think there's a lot of education work to be done in, in the trade because I think we, you know, when you think of those um, family-owned businesses, not, not all of them have you know, savvy second generation who have been in tech, have been on Wall Street and come back into the trade. And so there's an, I think there's a high or, or a perception of a high entry um, bar to adopt um, technology to that extent. And I think we've seen it through the, in the last year, those companies, those retailers who, um, and diamonds who were able to pivot to digital um, from a sales point of view, never mind the blockchain and provenance um, story, mm-hmm. um, had a, had a, came out in a stronger position. And those who, di- who weren't able to, didn't invest in digital, um, they, uh, I think they, they struggled. Yeah. So I think there, there's work to be done to show that it's, a, it's, an ex- it's actually accessible and maybe not as complicated yeah. as, uh, as they, they think. You, you, have to, you have to lower the barriers. And let's face it, I mean, I, mean, I don't know, you're much stronger than I am, but I remember the first time I went online. Uh, I lived in Curacao at the time, if you talk about early 90s. So this, this is, let's say, 30 years ago. Um, I remember hey, you have to dial in on your phone and you're beep, 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 beep. Right. I mean, that was very complicated, I thought. And now, uh, I mean, we are now on this, on this, on this system. Hey, we send cars and, and we talk here in Israel. I'm, I'm in, in, in the US. I mean, yeah, uh, we had some technical problems setting this up, as you remember. So, but we're all learning. I mean, um, so, and I think going from, from 30 years ago to now, yeah, we all learn. And you don't need to be a tech guru to, to, or invest a lot, or have to 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 work with the zooms and to work with the WhatsApps and the SMSs and whatsoever. So I think, I think if if there's big investments behind it and 
Uh, you, you saw, for instance, uh, the, the, of course, the Googles and the Microsoft and the Amazons as large companies investing in this kind of technology, and it becomes now mainstream. So I think what, what the De Beers is doing with Tracer and, and, and similar initiatives, uh, I mean, that will become mainstream for the diamond industry as well. Mm. And, and, and Tracer always said, listen, this is not De Beers. Uh, this is Tracer. We put it separate or we have put it separate and we can build all kinds of applications on it. But then, of course, the, the challenge is a little bit, there's, there's some mistrust maybe or some question marks saying, well, hold on, this is all data going into a De Beers platform and how is that protected, et cetera, et cetera. So I think you're totally right that, that education is, 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 is one thing when we talk about technology. But education about okay Chinese walls, education about who knows what, what, what kind of protocols are used, is extremely important as well. I think the other big question is um, on pricing and um, and cost as well. So um, so will a traceable diamond or you know a, a blockchain diamond be be will you be able to sell it at a high, at a premium to um, to a non traceable diamond? Well, the thing is, the thing is, you could say the same and saying, hey, is, is, is it, is it, hey, we have now the intercessional of, of, of uh, the Kimberley process going on this, this week. Um, is, is a diamond which, hey, which is proven to be a diamond which does good for the society. Hey, are people willing to, to pay a premium for that? Um, yeah, I think, I think, I think yes. Uh, but I think maybe yes. The other thing is what you want to get rid of saying, okay, every, every diamond which is not mined or sold in the context of being, being and doing good for the, for the society should not be on the market. Mm. It's the same for, for forestry. Uh, hey, you, have, you, have, uh, you can buy hardwood whatsoever, which is not uh, forested sustainably. That should not be on the market and it's not on the market anymore. So hey, the, same, the same for, for, for the industry. So, but as we all know, where there's people, there's greed, and where there's greed, there are, are, are mishaps. So there's still uh, uh, lumber on the market which is which is not sustainably uh, forested, mm-hmm. and there's still goods on the market in in the color gemstone and the gemstone business which are which are not sustainable. So that is what what you want to weed out. Mm. Um. Just from a from a banking point of view, we we we've seen one or two. Uh, of the bigger brands, um, Pandora being the latest uh, that I'm aware of, um, uh, securing loans based on their sustainability goals, um, and so so clearly the the lending community is also looking at these issues and and yep. basing their their programs on on this um, on this issue. Are you are you correct? Are you, are you seeing? Do you do you see that trend sort of rising? Absolutely, yeah. and. Yeah, absolutely. And it was already picked up by RJC uh, end of last year by saying, hey, what, what is happening in, in, in the rest of the, the finance industry? And there's a lot happening. So the RJC is looking into it as well to say, okay, uh, we see green bonds, we see uh, so ESG bonds, we see green bonds. There's hundreds of millions of finance uh, being granted to, to companies uh, which which – uh, which has the sustainability, everything related to corporate social responsibility, everything re- related to EST, so basically environment, social, and government uh, governance uh, aspect. So yeah, I think that's that's the future. And maybe 
if 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 there's a lot of pension funds and and, and institutional investors who only want to invest in that way. Mm. So there's there's we talk sometimes about a shortage in finance here and there. I think if there could be a solution to create funds where the industry can tap into, whether that's the cobblestone business or or, or the, the the diamond business, um, step into and say, hey, but then it it will require for those companies tapping into an ESG or a green fund to make sure they live up to the standards of what the investors want. It's it's absolutely something we see in other sectors, and I'm convinced it will be something we will see back in the, in the jewelry industry. I mean, do you think this is, um, this is, not that it matters, but is it being pulled from the consumer, that, that there is this um, dry, you know, consumers are, are asking the questions, or, or is it a recognition that we, we, this is a good a, a good cause and it's a good message and um, oh gosh or, yeah. or maybe both maybe it doesn't matter you 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 hit you hit a very important point here um, is it is it a consumer well um, I'm sure you've read I know you have read the Bain report which come, which came out a couple of months ago mm. and there's a huge section on everything related to sustainability and ESG standards and and I was quite struck by the fact that. In, in most markets, in most continents, the, the, the demand really for uh, sustainability is still relatively low. Right. Yeah? And, and, and I'm doing some, some research in that area. And, and it's, it's only in certain markets, in certain segments where this, this pops up. Uh, and when the demand is there, and I have the feeling sometimes it's also being seen as something which is invented by the Western market. So I think I think the jury is out there, but I think honestly that there are certain markets out there where this whole discussion around ESG and CSR will will pick up further. So it is the future. I mean, same for, I mean, there's two things. You have global warming and climate change. Uh, climate change, everybody realizes climate change, but if you call it global warming, it becomes a political thing. Yeah, right. global warming right. is political. Climate change is something scientific. So I never talk <laughs> yeah. about global warming, but climate change is there. So will that have further impact? Uh, similar trends on 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 the jewelry industry? Absolutely. Mm. I mean, and and cobblestones, yes, diamonds, yes. We've seen it at the gold market. I mean, there's there's this whole new gold standards also. Right. So it's there to stay. Right. And there to grow. And that's and I and I see that there's an opportunity. Honestly, a, a huge opportunity. I think that maybe consumers don't know that they want it, um, although they want it. And so, so the brands are, or, or, or your your average retailer um, should maybe or maybe recognise that there's an opportunity for to show the consumer that they want this story. Yeah. Um, you know, and so I, I, I love the image. I think that you kind of alluded to that. Um, you know, in maybe in the eighties and the nineties, it was all about the size of the diamond. Yeah. You know, if a, if, if a woman got engaged, she would um, she would show her friends the the, the size and the big you know, and, yeah. And the the image of a woman showing her friends the story of the diamond through an app mm-hmm. is pretty cool. I think I, I think that's yeah. um, that's kind of a, a great opportunity for for the industry. Absolutely. But. Um, so I think we've got a lot to to look forward to. We'll be we'll be keeping an eye on you um, and and your your various um, initiatives in the fintech space, um, Eric. So thank you very much for for joining us. It's been a it's been an interesting 
um, half hour conversation. No, thank you very much for, for having me. And I think it's always great to talk with you and exchange ideas. And I'm sure we're going to have a lot more conversations going forward. And uh, we're, you and I are still very passionate about this industry. And we'll be, we'll be for the next 10 years at least. So, uh, yeah, it was very nice uh, being uh, in this podcast and lots of success. And thanks thanks again. I certainly hope so. And, and who, who would have thought that 10 years ago that uh, your entrance to ABN Amro's Jewelry Union would spark a career change for you? <laughs> yeah, you never know. You never know. You never know. Thanks so much. Yeah, okay. thanks so much. Thank Take you. Care, Thank Take you. Care. Take care, everyone. Thank you. Thank you. Bye bye.